0: Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Fully Grown Podcast by Turner Christian Church. I am Pastor Jack, and I'm joined by
1: Pastor Rachel
2: and Pastor Matt.
0: Because this is our first episode, for those that don't know us, I am uh, the Minister of Discipleship here at Turner Christian Church and what that means is i'm concerned about the 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 growth of the church that is happening and just over the classes and small groups and different things of that nature and um, just how people are growing in christ
1: i'm the minister of youth and family which means i oversee all our children's programs and youth and i also hang out with parents a lot
2: and i'm senior minister which means i do most of the preaching and the leading of the team Uh, we have our own areas of responsibility but we work together a lot and 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 I'm in charge of, of the, you know, the joint vision of the church and that kind of thing. And so, yeah, that's my job.
1: You're the kitten corraler.
2: The kitten corraler. Yes. I like that. Yeah. The cat herder. Yeah. So that's us. Uh, and this is, as you said, the first episode of our new podcast called the fully grown podcast, which is replacing what we have been doing for almost three years now called deleted scenes, which was a live video broadcast that we did on Facebook. And then we also added YouTube and what we decided, uh, as we were heading into the fall was that we wanted to provide a different resource for people and doing a podcast gives us different opportunities. The idea here is that our growth happens outside of the church building more than in if only because we only spend a few hours a week in the church building. And, and if your time in church is the only time you're growing, then you're not going to be fully growing the way God calls us to. But we only see you at church functions. And so what we wanted to do is provide a resource that people can access anytime, anywhere that can help us all to be growing more deeply as Christians and be able to take what we are learning and doing in Sunday services and Wednesday nights and, and the different things that we do in the church, be able to take it out into the world. So hopefully you'll be able to listen to this while you're folding laundry, while you're uh, exercising, while you're driving, while you're doing your daily things, wherever you go, you can take this with you. And, and we're going to do our best to have conversations that help to spur that kind of growth. And that's really open-ended. We have a vision of what it's going to look like in the near future, but it also gives us the opportunity to try other things as we come up with those ideas and have we all have those opportunities, whether we bring in other people to have conversations with us or, or try other approaches. Um, it's really open-ended in that way. But specifically as we get started with this podcast, one of the common themes that we're going to be doing is we're going to be talking about how we react to what we experience on Sunday mornings and how we can take the, the worship service and especially the sermon and continue to grow throughout the week in response to that. Um, so that'll be a big part of what we're doing for the foreseeable future.
1: Yeah, because so often we hear a great sermon and we go, wow, that was a great sermon. And then we really just leave it there. Mm-hmm. And that's a missed opportunity for growth.
2: Yeah, and I certainly don't blame anyone for that because if you ask me what I preached on in a given week, I can even remember topics that I preached on. But if you ask me what was the lesson, what was the takeaway, it may be hard for me to recall that. And I wrote it. Um, and certainly, I don't know that the point of a sermon is that years later you can remember every point of every sermon that you heard. But the goal is that there will be some kind of transformation that is triggered or motivated by that. Or some growth that happens because of that experience. And, and that's not just a matter of passively hearing something. I don't have the ability to transform people with the power of my voice. Um, God uses me or whoever's up there doing whatever they're doing to provide material that the spirit uses in us. Um, and so that requires engagement by the people who hear it too. And so we have a responsibility. I have a responsibility to continue to work out what God does in me in the service. Every one of us does. And so we want to encourage that.
1: i think too it's not just about the sermon right you know are you are you leaving with wow that worship song really got a hold of my heart today and i don't want to lose what god was telling me through that or Mm -hmm. those prayers or that time connecting with someone Mm -hmm. between services
2: yeah so that's why this is going to be very open-ended in terms of how we're going to be responding to each service and and what we're going to be talking about and and equipping we're also going to be looking for opportunities to have um, our listeners participate one of the cool things that we can do with the it's the podcast service that we're using is you can actually record questions or comments for us that we can then put in the podcast later on. And so if you go into the description of each episode, there is a link and you click on that and it will take you to the website where you can um, submit questions or comments. Um, so we'll have ways for you to participate and make this more of a conversation and uh, we're really excited about the potential this has.
0: I'd say so. Yeah. Really excited about it. Yeah. Cool. This week, we had our first sermon in the plan, and that was entitled The Design, and we went through Genesis 1. Pastor Matt led us through that, and so, Pastor Matt, would you like to kind of give us a little bit of a rundown of what you discussed in that sermon?
2: Yeah, if you uh, want to listen to the whole sermon, you can check it out on our website. You can watch it on YouTube or listen to it on our podcast, uh, but we do want to give you a summary so that you can still listen to this, uh, even if you haven't heard that. Basically, we were setting up this idea that the Bible is a story. And the whole thing is one story and that story is united by a single plot. Because a lot of times what happens is you come out of Sunday school and you know individual stories, but you don't know how they fit together. It's kind of like Aesop's Fables where you know the story of David and Goliath and you know the story of Ruth you know the story of Jonah, but you have no idea how they fit together or what they have to do with other stories. And that's not really the way the Bible works. The Bible is actually one story and they're all building on each other and they, and understanding, uh, like you can't really understand Jonah fully. You can't get all of the impact of Jonah if you don't know how it fits into the story of Israel. And it's one of the things I've learned with uh, my son's I have a two year old son and he has, we have all these children's Bibles and they skip over huge parts of the story and it's fine for a two year old. I'm not necessarily complaining, but you jump from, um, Abraham to Jonah and you're like, wow, a whole bunch of context just got lost. Like we have no idea why this story really matters because we skipped over that. And again, two year old doesn't necessarily need to know that. Um, but. That would be a very, yeah. that's sometimes what we have even as adults are understanding the Bible. So we talked about how there's one plot that drives the whole Bible. And you can see that in Genesis one, it's established right there. And uh, every plot is driven by a main character, a protagonist, the person who moves the plot forward, and they move the plot forward by trying to accomplish a goal. So Frodo is the protagonist of The Lord of the Rings, and his goal is to destroy the Ring in Mount Doom. And so, the whole story of Lord of the Rings is about that moving forward to to accomplish that goal. And when we look at the Bible, we find the main character on page one, verse one is God. And in Genesis one, we get laid out for us exactly what God is doing. And what we what we're going to find is that the whole story of the Bible fits into that that goal, that plan that he's working to accomplish. And there's four parts to that plan. The first thing God does is he makes a place. He builds the world very intricately and ornately. And it's, it's this beautiful world that works together very well. Um, it's not just slapped together, but he does it with care and design. So there's a place. The second thing he does is he puts people in it. And we know that people end up being a really big deal in the storyline of the Bible and, and the most significant creature that's put there because the people have a purpose. And that's the third part of the plan. He doesn't just make them to be there. Um, He makes them for a function. He creates them so that they will rule over earth on his behalf. There's a sense that God wants to interact with his, this place that he's made and that ability to interact between creation and God goes through human beings. So human beings, the phrase I use, I got from Tim Mackey is middle management. Like they, it's God's earth, but he has us manage it. Another way you might think of it, that the way they would have been thinking about it is it's God's temple and the priests take care of it. So human beings are like the priests in God's temple, the whole earth. So they have that purpose. And then the culmination of all of it is he does all the, God made the earth so that he could live in it and fill it with his presence. And that's what happens on day seven. What we don't pick up in our English translations and in our being so separated from the temple um, understanding that people would have had when the Old Testament was written uh, is that God is making the world so he can live in it. So it's God's world. We take care of it on his behalf, but his goal is to ultimately live there with us. And so those are the four parts. There is God makes a place. He fills it with his people. He gives those people a purpose. And then he fills that place with his presence and we all live in this place that he's made in the presence of God, fulfilling our purpose. And the whole plot of the rest of the Bible is driven by that arrangement that God is working to, he's established it in Genesis one, but the weak point we're going to find out in the next sermon is human beings fulfilling their purpose and we keep trying to mess it up. And God is continually working against us to make the plan work in spite of the mistakes that we make and to bring us along and keep that plan going. And so each story that we read, you're going to find that the plan is somehow in, in jeopardy because of what human beings do and um, God responds to that. And so that's the site, the, the way the story continues through um, the rest of the Bible. And then we also t- we looked at different places where you see the plan um, very briefly, in how it's we see it in the Old Testament and the arrangement God made with Abraham and then with Moses in the covenant that that's exactly what the covenant is. He takes a particular people, puts them in a particular place. He sees Israelites, puts them in the Promised Land, gives them the law to show them how to obey Him, and then He comes and lives with them. We found that when Jesus describes what He's doing, He calls it the Kingdom of God, which is basically a, a shorthand way of describing this i this plan, the idea of God living with His people while they fulfill their purpose and then we saw how the great commission is about spreading this plan and restoring it to the rest of of creation and how ultimately in genesis in revelation at the end things end the same way they started with this plan restored and then the last thing we talked about was the fact that this is our story so we need to find ourselves in this story that i am i am called to be a part of this this isn't just some nice idea or some interesting story like the lord of the rings is a great story It's not my story, but this is my story uh, and I'm called to live in it. So I am called to be part of God's people. I am given a place and I'm given a purpose and that can, and ultimately I'm fulfilled by living in the presence of God. Um, That was kind of a longer summary, but I think it's helpful because that's, that sets us up for all of the sermons that we're going to be listening, that we're going to be doing and all the stories we're going to be talking about in the future. So... That's that's the plan. And that's what we talked about on Sunday.
1: I think one of the things that was interesting for me as I was listening to your sermon was to think about how I've thought about the story of the Bible. I grew up in the church. I was raised in a Christian home, parents who love Jesus and talked to me about the Bible, but I didn't have any concept of a story. And Pastor Jack and I are in the same small group, and I was sharing with them um, in our sermon sermon response Bible study that you know, someone had to tell me that Moses and Jesus were not on earth at the same time.
0: Mm-hmm. Like,
1: and that was, I was way too old to be learning that for the first time. Mm-hmm. I was in like junior high and I was like, what? Yeah. <laughs> um, and so I, one of the things I, one of the reasons that I love that we're doing this as a congregation is it's a fantastic opportunity for, for parents and kids to be having that conversation around the dinner table of, you know, where are we in this story and, and how does the Bible fit together? Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, you know, one of the things that I was kind of, I, I had kind of a, a similar response as, as Pastor Rachel did in terms of, you know, I, for a long time, I didn't understand that as one whole story. You know, it, it seemed like all the characters were kind of in the same place at the same time and all that different stuff. Um, but one of the things that I really found valuable and um, just one of the points, the main character of the Bible is God, you know, and I think um, it's really important to remember that. Um, and that's going to be kind of, I think a focal point of this series kind of moving forward and just how he interacts with his creation, how he interacts with his people, how he chooses to, um, you know, allow his presence to be, um, with, with his people and how he chooses to, to do, go about that. Um, cause I think sometimes, you know, at least I do, I don't know about other people, but at least I do, I get really selfish or I get really, you know, um, I get you know a big ego and think that you know a lot of these stories are about me and how how they fit into my life or how how they apply to me you know mm-hmm. um, and while that's that's valuable to think about how things apply to me um, those how how, the, how things apply to me should be you know how do I um, how do I live for God because He is the main character of this story um, that we're that we're talking through so how how do I glorify Him how do I praise Him. Uh, if we're talking about application to us, right? Mm-hmm. Because God is the main character mm-hmm. and that that should not be forgotten, I guess. is yeah. kind of one of the points that I hung on to.
1: And I think if we're you know, processing, how, how do we respond to this sermon? How do we allow ourselves to be a little more transformed by these concepts? It's good to look at our own life and think, am I casting myself as the main character of my story or is God the main character of my story right now? and and am i allowing him to be the hero in my life or am i trying to cast myself as the hero in my own life and we are selfish and that is a really hard challenge and i do think it's something worth sitting with because i often find spaces in my own life where i'm like this is my moment my time to shine and it's like oh no let's wait and see what god's gonna do
2: i think yeah i think I didn't get into this as much in this sermon and we'll, we'll talk about a bit more in the next sermon. But when you make that realization that God is the main character and God is the protagonist, if you think about it in literary terms, which was a part of how I originally um, thought through designing this curriculum. um, So there's, there's the protagonist is the one who moves the story forward, which is usually the hero. Sometimes you have stories where actually the bad guy is the one trying to accomplish something, but usually the hero is the protagonist. If that's God, then that opens up the question of where am I in the story? And what we find in the Bible is we have a choice. We could be what's called the proximate protagonist. The ultimate protagonist is the person who's ultimately driving the story, but they have allies. So in the Lord of the Rings, there's a whole fellowship and there's a whole group of people with Frodo. So there's a whole bunch of proximate, like sometimes you follow someone else's story and you're watching them even though they're not the main person, right? And that's approximate protagonist, um, as opposed to the ultimate protagonist, right? So we could be that. We could be God's ally, and we have our own part in the story moving forward. But what we find in the Bible, it more often happens, is that we end up as the antagonists. And that's an option. That's an option to us. And actually, human beings, this is one of the things we get wrong in the Bible a lot. Human beings are the ultimate antagonist. We usually assume Satan is the ultimate antagonist, but Satan isn't introduced clearly as an opponent of God, some would argue he never is, but he isn't cl- clearly introduced as an opponent of God until the new Testament, which means the entire old Testament, the obstacle to God's plan, the main obstacle is human beings. We are the antagonists in the story. And so we have that option. Cause if, if the story is about me, then I'm always going to be the main character. I'm always going to be the protagonist in the way I tell the story. But if God's the main character, then I might be the, the protagonist but I also might be the antagonist. I might be the one in the way who's causing things to not unfold according to God's plan. And I have that choice of where I'm going to fall. And that's, that's an important choice that we have to make. I don't know if that was clear with all of the literary jargon, but, but you know, you get to decide, am I going to be an orc or am I going to be, you know, the bad, a bad guy in Lord of the Rings or am I going to be part of the fellowship of the ring? This has
1: been British Literature 204 with Professor Matt Holmes. (laughs) I
2: I could be talking about the movies. Um, I mean, I know they're old now, but.
1: Yes. And what, one of the things that you just said is the way that we use and talk about the phrase God's plan is worth mulling over. Because a lot of times when we use the phrase God's plan, we don't actually mean God's plan. We mean our plan. Mm -hmm. And we say, well, you know. God has a plan for my life and God's plan for my life is all the things that I want to do. Yeah, God's plan for my life is that I have the white picket fence and the 2.5 kids and the perfect car and and this is clearly God's plan for me instead of actually looking at what God's plan has been throughout the Bible and throughout history and where God is inviting me to be part of his story.
0: Mm-hmm. And we get, we get fixated on that, that plan for our lives specifically. You know, because if we have that mentality of, you know, I am the protagonist and God has a plan for me, we get so fixated. At least, you know, people that I know that are anxious about a lot of different things, you know, they're they're like, well, what is God's plan for my life? You know, God has a plan for my life. And so what is it? I need to figure it out. And if I don't figure it out fast enough, then God will be upset at me. And I don't think that's really the perspective that, that God wants us to have. God has a plan. Yes. And God most likely kind of has a plan for you, but it's not something that we need to be fixated on. It's just, we need to live for God and how, you know, when we live for God in different ways, then yeah, things are going to work out and, 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 you know, you'll kind of see like, Oh, that's how God was working in my life. And, you know, he was preparing me for this moment or whatever, you know, what, what have you, Um, you know, God just has a wonderful way of, of working things out when you live for him um every once in a while even when you're not living for him he ends up working that out for some sort of you know positive that happens in your life or something that you can you know um train someone else in or or whatever that might be Mm -hmm. um you know and we'll see that in a story that i think we're going to talk about on this podcast coming up here um you know and and just yeah, we get so fixated on what is God's plan for my life, but that's not necessarily the question that we need to be asking. We need to be asking how can we live for God, where we're at right now, and you know how can we be um, just pursuing after Him and glorifying Him um, in His ultimate plan that He has.
1: Right, because that should be our real fixation. What <laughs> I am fixated on my relationship with God. That is the fixation, and I'm. Not worried about finding the exact right path that I think that he must have picked out for me. Um, I'm I'm worried about living today with Jesus, and and there's also a level of trust there that, um, well, and I guess it's less black and white than we sometimes cast it as. It's not God's plan is right to the to my right, and the opposite of God's plan is to my left, and I have to get on the right road. It's it's um, God gives us choices and maybe one is best and one is worse, or maybe there's less ideal and more ideal, or maybe there's sometimes God even gives us choices that are equally ideal. And we get, we get to make the choice. He allows Mm -hmm. us that freedom. And so God's plan is not this, um, you know, single road that he's laid out for us, and if we miss the the turnoff, then we're just not in God's plan anymore. Mm-hmm. It's it's about living daily in the story of God. It's not a road map of our life. It's yeah. a relationship that we're choosing to live in each day.
0: Mm-hmm. You have to think of the size of the kingdom of God, right? The kingdom of God is not limited to one pathway. Yeah, the kingdom of God is very very. Like it's all over the world, right? And there's things that you can do within the kingdom of God all over the world. And so, you know, kind of no matter where you go, and, um, you know, I'm not going to say no matter what you do, but wherever you go, the kingdom of God is there, or at least it can be there because you would be there and you can bring it there um, in a sense, you know. So it's not the kingdom of God is not one path that I need to follow because that's God's plan for my life. The kingdom of God is man, there's all these paths and, you know, maybe there is the ideal and maybe a less ideal, but also maybe there's several really good options that you could choose.
2: Well I think that's all tied in with this perspective of it being God's story and not mine. Cause if it's my story, then the plot is how I get from point A to point B and I have to follow the right path and hit the right beats and I have to be in this, go to this school so I can get this major, so I can get that job, so I can meet that person and and, and you know, all these things that I don't know. So we're like expected to do a dance that God hasn't taught us the moves to, but that's God's plan for my life. But if it's the plan is God's, if it's God's story, then my story is a part of that. It's like a sentence in this eons-long story that God is writing, and my my mission, my purpose is to be part of this long plan. And so, I've I've been very convicted at points to realize that it's not about like it's you can't foil God's plan by not making the exact right choice. Like you shouldn't make immoral choices, but if you chose the wrong school, so to speak, when you chose where you're going to go, you know it's not like God's oh man you went to that school well now now I'm foiled I can't No, because he wants you it's what he wants you to be doing wherever you end up um and so you know like I might have ended up choosing to marry a different person I think I ended up marrying the best person I could have um and I think but if I had married someone else I think my marriage probably would have been harder but I would have had the same mission God would have still called me to be faithful to my spouse and to love them and serve them you know it's the same mission I just wouldn't have been as, as easy as it is with the wife that he gave me that, you know,
0: I'm Are you saying it's easy.
2: I'm saying that we're very compatible, but that's sometimes we say, well, everybody's supposed to have that. And, and we should like, if we weren't compatible, that wouldn't be an excuse for me to not do yeah. what God had told me to do. And the mission he had given me as a husband, um, same thing if I had chosen not to be a pastor and I had ended up in a job that, that, um, wasn't as fulfilling i would still be called by god to behave in the same kind of way and i think that's helpful for us to remember because when we when we try and find ourselves in the bible i notice we always look at like prophets you know and like jeremiah has this amazing calling experience and isaiah has this amazing calling experience but they also had once in once not just once in a lifetime but once in history callings that were very unique there were thousands of israelites that were god's people at the time who did not have those experiences and most of us are going to be like that and that's this leads me into one of the verses that i think we most misinterpret um in jeremiah 28:11 29. 29 um for i know the plans i have for you plans for to bless you and not to harm you plans for a
1: hope in the future a hope in the
2: future <laughs> yeah and, and they put that on graduation cards and we always read that in terms of my individual story which does not make sense at all in the context because what he's telling the people that he's writing that verse to is you're going to die in exile. You are not coming back. They've just been sent, Jerusalem has been destroyed. They've been exiled from their home and they're not coming back, but their kids are because God has a long-term plan. And so we can, that, that verse is very encouraging and very helpful as long as we remember that it's the overarching plan that God has, not God's secret plan to give me what I want in my lifetime. Now, ultimately, because we know that, that God you know, the story doesn't end when we die, that God will give us individual fulfillment on a scale we can't even imagine on the other end of death um, as we're part of God's people. But on this side, we have that role to play in the whole story that may not give us a picket fence or the things that we expect.
0: I just really want to put that on a graduation card. Like Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. also You're gonna die in exile,
2: (laughs) (laughs) but your kids—they're gonna come back, and uh, it's actually gonna be pretty hard for them too. It's actually gonna
0: be. (laughs) Yeah, I I figured out a new uh, ministry of of Turner Christian Church: contextually accurate graduation cards. Yeah, there we go, or just cards in general. (laughs)
2: Love it. They wouldn't sell as well.
1: I I love that you brought that up though, because it points to the fact that God's plan is like other people are a really important part of God's plan. And so when the focus is becoming on we're the hero and our story is about us and what can God do for me, we miss out on the fact that we are supposed to be being a light in this world. And um, the plan that we're supposed to be living out involves loving and inviting other people to join us because we know what their purpose should be Mm -hmm. and we want them to be fulfilling it in a life with God. And you talked about that in the sermon on Sunday, and I've been really chewing on that of, you know, we hear a lot about evangelism, particularly in the news right now, you know, um, evangelistic churches get a really bad name and um, sometimes for very good reason. and and the word evangelism is kind of really taken on a negative context. and we've kind of gotten to this place where we think, well, my job is just to be the best person that I can be and then maybe someone one day will ask me why I'm a good person and then they'll become a Christian and it'll be great. But people don't really do that very often. Sometimes they do. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they absolutely do. But, but if I'm going to invite someone to a birthday party, I don't just hope that they notice that I'm throwing a birthday party and then they ask if they can come. Like, yeah, I like, I actually... like they've been keeping track of how long it's been since
2: your life. like, Hey, yeah. don't you have a birthday coming up?
1: I do. <laughs> I do. And I wanted you to ask so that you can come and be at my birthday party with yeah. me. Like, like actually extending that invitation. And I I do think that um, it's important the way that we do that and that that's something to, to pray on and to ponder on and to ask God to provide opportunities. But when we're out in a lost and hurting world and we know that God has given us a purpose and we know that we're living in God's story, our hearts should be breaking when we look around at people that we love and care about who aren't living in God's story. And, and, and how might God be asking us and using us in our unique gifts and talents to get others involved? And so one of my responses to the sermon this week has been, you know, how do I need to be praying over that and considering who in my life God is preparing me to invite? Because there are people in my life who don't know what their purpose is.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that I realized something I wanted to clarify from what I was saying before, but it linked in really well with what you were saying is to say that we are supporting characters and we're not all Isaiah's and Jeremiah's is not to say you're not important. Only a few people get to be important. So think less of yourself. Um, the, the point is actually plan a, the main plan is for God to use normal people. That's why he made so many of them is to the normal everyday people who are not exceptional. Like God's main plan for us is to be normal people who impact our world around us. And when God calls special, like he called Isaiah and Jeremiah because that plan wasn't working. Isaiah and Jeremiah were there to call people, regular people back to the regular plan. And and so often we think, well, if I'm supposed to be the main character, then I'm supposed to be the biggest deal I can be. or Or I'm not supposed to be the main character, so I'm supposed to let other big deals do it instead. And so we often think like, I hope Billy Graham comes through and converts a whole bunch of people because I'd really like to see the gospel spread. But God's main plan is to work through very normal people, people who, you know, wherever they wherever they are, and, and we don't have to be exceptional. God made you to be exactly what you are and to have whatever level of influence you have and whatever gifts you have And to live in that. And so that's why at the end of this sermon, and I'm going to try and return to this a lot, I wanted to ask, you know, to get people to think where, where, what is your place? What is your purpose? What has God given you? Because he made you for a purpose. And it isn't necessarily to be Isaiah or Jeremiah or Billy Graham or Paul. It's to be who you are and to fulfill that. So I think often we miss our mission because we're looking for someone else's mission, but we all have something we can do.
1: Which is not necessarily, I think sometimes in our culture, we get lost in a like, like an existential, what is my purpose? You know, where is my perfect vocation? Where is my perfect relationship? What is my perfect relationship with my kids? And um, that's not what I take you to be saying at all. Um, because sometimes, um, you know, we wake up and our purpose that day is just to be with God. And the the gifting that we have that day, maybe it's because we're, um, you know, physically unable to leave our home at a certain time, or you know, in quarantine. Our our purpose that day is to write an encouraging note, as Pastor Jack talked about a couple of weeks ago, or to pray, or um, to praise, to just worship God. And sometimes our purpose is to. Um, uh just really focus in on the opportunity to parent and sometimes our purpose is to be a really good friend and to comfort and support someone and so i don't know that it's about you know getting lost in the weeds of analyzing um you know what is the perfect situation i think it's to look at your life right now and say how is god calling me to step into what i already have i'm not looking at changing everything i'm looking at this is what God has given me and I'm going to embrace it better. Mm -hmm. How do I do that? God help me.
2: Yeah. Yeah. If we're not doing the work that's right in front, sometimes we neglect the work that's right in front of us, looking for bigger work elsewhere. And, and yeah, I think we need to see that God is, God is putting us in places whether we intended to be there or not. And it has a purpose for us. So it's, what are you doing with the place that you have with the place that God has put you? It's like I spent 10 years, trying to figure out where God wanted me before I became a pastor. And, but those weren't, I, I think I, in a lot of ways, wasted those years, but they weren't wasted because God hadn't put me in my ultimate career yet. It was because I was biding my time and I wasn't doing what was in front of me. Um, and, and so um, wherever we are, wherever God has put us, there is something we can be doing, like you were saying. Um, and yeah, I do think that takes the pressure off to, I need to find the exact right place to be Like, no, wherever God has you, you have work to do there. You have something a purpose you can serve there.
0: Again, to celebrate this being our first episode, we have prepared questions for each other, um, just kind of in a way that might help you get to know us a little bit. Maybe in just how we think, and maybe there is something personal that will come out during this question time. But I'm going to lead off, and I'm asking Pastor Rachel a question. And so my question is this. What do you look for in your ideal pizza? And this isn't necessarily toppings. I'm saying, like, the feel, the thickness, like, all those different things. You know, what What do you look for in your ideal pizza?
1: I I feel like i've been set up to fail i am not that picky of a pizza eater except i don't like little caesars jack you know that i wasn't saying that (laughs)
0: um
1: i i just had it so i mean right it's the it's the pizza it's the youth group pizza right every youth group event that i grew up at every i did um what is it the something of christian athletes fellowship yeah fellowship of christian athletes they always serve pizza like every event it was always little caesars and so I'm Little Caesars out. Little Caesared out.
2: Mm-hmm. But- ah, see, we didn't have Little Caesars when I was a kid, so that's why I'm not Little Caesared out.
1: Okay, that well, makes sense. Where I'm glad that you feel justified in your love. Of little no, just, Caesars. Is- I don't love it. I'm just saying that's uh-huh. that's. He's wearing
2: cool. right he now, is wearing orange so. right now. He is wearing
1: orange. He's representing. <laughs> okay, <laughs> I we didn't have realize made Pastor Matt blush. Yeah. <laughs> um, um. Yes, I like everything on my pizza except green peppers. Okay. And I have had thin crust pizzas that I enjoy and I've had thick crust pizzas that I enjoy. I tend to prefer a thicker crust, but I am open to the possibilities of life.
2: What's your favorite pizza establishment?
1: Ooh. Um it's called World Pies and it's in Eugene and they have a pizza called the Willamette. Like a play oh. on the Willamette. <laughs> and I love it <laughs> and it's so Eugenian um, for those who don't know I lived in Eugenian. Eugene for
2: 10 years I thought it was Eugenius.
1: Eugenian thank you okay. and it's like a pizza place that's like also in the same room as a coffee shop that's also like all together with like a stage and they do like performances there and there's like purple couches and chairs and then it's like above a Christian bookstore. It's just perfect.
0: Wow. <laughs> you know, one that thing...
2: sounds like the best place on earth. It's so much fun. One of the things
0: it. I've realized is, you know, um, I know I live here now, but Salem is kind of hurting in the way of like solid pizza places, in my opinion. Because there's places that I'm like, it's good, but it's not like, you know, i I'd, I'd be like, go out of your way to go here. Where like Eugene has like several places that I'd say, go out of your way to go here. Like this is a, a good pizza place. For sure. You know, and I know Sizzle Pie is also in Portland. So it's not like only Eugene, but like Sizzle Pie is there. World Mes- Pies, Metaluna, uh, Pegasus. I really yeah. like too. So what so. we're
1: telling you is if you need good pizza, drive to Eugene <laughs> yeah. wow. and maybe take us with you. Yeah. Yeah. Um,
0: there you <laughs> okay. go. That was our conversation on pizza. There go. Cool.
1: All right. Are you ready, Matt?
2: I, I have no idea.
1: What is the movie quote that you most often think of?
2: The movie quote that i think of the most often mm-hmm. oh man that might be too broad i'm not sure uh man i tend to quote um uh tombstone a lot specifically um val kilmer's um, doc holiday
1: can you do that for us now <laughs>
2: ah, i can um well eddie i apologize i forgot you were there you may go now. <laughs> He's saying that to a, a, a young, uh, overweight Billy Bob Thornton. Mm. It, 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 it's hard to recognize him. Um,
0: yeah, podcasts are so funny. Like, <laughs> let me describe this person's like, visual appearance. And like, I don't know.
2: Yeah, I can't it throw up a picture. Term. Maybe we'll put one in the notes. <laughs> yeah. um, in what
1: see. context do you usually use that phrase?
2: Oh, uh, if I forget someone is present, I don't know. <laughs> just... That's just the first quote that um, um, I'm your Huckleberry. He's one, if you've heard that phrase before, um, yeah. I know there's, there's another quote, I'm trying to remember what it was that's from a movie. The worst is I, I remember quotes because of the phrasing, not because the movie is popular. And so there are quotes that I know from movies that like nobody recognizes. And so if I say them, I'm just saying something weird. Like, cause they don't know the movie that it's from. Um, yeah, but ultimately I'd have to say probably Val Kilmer in, in tombstone, which may be the most perfect marriage of actor and role to ever happen.
1: Wow. And also
2: the greatest mustaches in cinema history. Uh, Sam Elliott's in the movie and his isn't even the best mustache. Oh, wow. Uh, all the
0: mustaches. That's blasphemy. In- no, no. <laughs> all the
2: mustaches. <laughs> all the mustaches in the movie are real, including um, Kurt Russell with the awesome handlebar of Ooh. Wyatt Earp. Like it's a full-on real handlebar, and it's really his. Um, you were selling me on this
1: movie. I don't know yeah. if that was your intention, but oh, I yeah. need to go watch it's it It's worth it
2: for the mustaches alone.
1: Um, <laughs> you come for the actors, you stay for the mustaches. <laughs> I will say,
2: I mean, it's, you know, this being a church podcast, I'm pretty sure it's it's at least PG-13. Mm. So I'm not saying, I, this, is, this is a movie that I, you know, I've known for a long time. I'm not necessarily recommending it mm. on the church podcast, but I do remember those quotes. We've
1: spent a long time on and it for mustaches. a movie that we're not recommending. Yeah.
0: For you to come up with that question, you must have one that you go to quite a bit and I want to know what it is.
2: <laughs> or what I, I do. Okay. <laughs> Care to share it?
1: I'm sick. Jack, meet girls.
0: Oh. <laughs> I've only seen that once and I was with Rachel. <laughs> so <laughs>
1: it, if if you are talking to a woman of my generation and you say that they immediately know what you're talking about
2: or uh because i um, did
1: i did that in front of your wife and she's oh mean girls
2: <laughs> she doesn't even go here oh yeah <laughs> I, I had to watch that with my wife so that i would get all the references that of she course. made and then she had to watch zoolander so that she would get uh because uh, <laughs> i think i'm coming down with the black lung pops <laughs> That's the guy's equivalent.
1: (laughs) I feel like we should move off movies because we we could could get into a a spiral into this conversation. I was just,
0: I quote a lot of commercials, but commercials are just, you know, you brought up Sam Elliott, and I was just saying, guts, glory, ram, you know.
1: Which, if you don't know Pastor Jack, well, you might not realize that he does fantastic accents. (laughs) You do.
2: Thank you. Yeah. (laughs) He quotes a lot
1: of things and he does it in wonderful accents. Maybe
2: that's something we need to do in the podcast is show off our ability to do accents or lack thereof.
1: I think that Jack should do a whole sermon in his
2: Scottish brogue. That's just a.
0: What's the Scottish brogue? (laughs) That's great. (laughs) That's That's great, man. (laughs) We used to,
2: on St. Patrick's Day when I worked at Best Buy, we would um, have a competition to see who could close a sale with an Irish accent. But the only way you could prove that you were doing it was you had to subtly reach up and turn on the microphone to your radio while you were talking, so that people could hear you talking about, like, <laughs> <laughs> like this Sony over here. It's a great camera, and it's uh, it's 16 megapixels, and it, yeah, it's got the 16 millimeter uh, lens, and it's great. <laughs> <laughs> that was turned Scottish. Yeah, right? the inside. <laughs> Scottish. That's a inside joke from Jack and yeah. I recording VBS last year. yeah that's great (laughs)
0: but um just really quickly last last thing i'll say on it one of the one of the fun ones i find to do i've never actually watched the tv show and i'm not recommending that you do because i know it's not appropriate is peaky blinders and the accents they do there if you've ever seen the commercials for it like or like just a video on youtube or whatever like their accent like the peaky blinders you know and they have this really (laughs) deep you know like raspy voice anyway yeah
2: that is my, my, the thing I most envy about Rachel and her schooling is that she gets to hear lectures in Scottish accents and mm, yeah. you know, variety of...
1: My professor in the spring was American.
2: Oh, what a letdown. I hated him for it. If, <laughs> if, 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 what's...
0: what's no, he was a great professor. Hate hey, is a strong word. What <laughs> school
2: are you studying at for the... The listeners?
1: University oh. of Aberdeen in Aberdeen, Scotland.
0: Yeah. Aberdeen.
2: It is some commute. Scotland, is, yeah. Scotland. Yeah. Scotland. <laughs>
0: The peaky blindness
2: man now i have to come up with a question for you because i totally was going with like a serious insightful question (laughs) that's That's what i I did but
1: then he went not serious and so I. (laughs) what's
2: your
0: ideal pizza
1: (laughs) and so i i rotated i pivoted
0: pivot that's what i think of a lot
2: yes pivot from
0: friends pivot
2: pivot what is the perfect ice cream flavor objectively
0: perfect ice cream the, flavor the oh, the perfect ice cream flavor see i'm not like a massive ice cream guy <gasps> fired um i don't know like a good strawberry ice cream is like it hits the spot every time for me strawberry really
1: that's yeah. that's disappointing yeah caramel macchiato or peppermint that's the way to go.
0: Aren't you like a coffee addict? Is that the reason why caramel macchiato is your?
2: No comment. Tillamook frozen custard um, is the greatest frozen treat ever made by any human being in the history of the planet.
1: I, I feel like custard does not compare to gelato.
2: You feel wrong. <laughs> no, sorry, you're just wrong. Well, this got
0: awkward really fast. <laughs> yeah, well. Sometimes, My strawberry like, ice cream was not sufficient, apparently. <laughs> sometimes <laughs> the senior
2: not. minister has to correct the associates, and in this case, you're wrong. So. Since,
0: sometimes the associates need to correct the senior minister,
2: yeah, but only when they're said, right. Plural. Yeah. I do not agree with you. <laughs>
0: well, I'm not saying that strawberry is the right is the right way, but I think we can both agree that custard is the wrong way.
1: Custard is the wrong way. I support you in that, Jack.
0: Maybe we need to go to the elders it. about this and say we <laughs> need to try talk it. To you.
2: Seriously, try it.
1: Well, bring it for us to try.
2: Uh, go get some from Winco. <laughs> they're one of our sponsors oh. that's not that's not true <laughs> We
1: don't have that'd be really cool
2: if it was though.
1: I would love to be sponsored by Winco.
2: yeah, but then we have to you know like let them like we have to say what they tell us to say. I'm sure that Winco has a lot of opinions on the things we're talking about right that's what that's when you go corporate. does it
0: have does Winco have a universal belief system though because they're owned by the employees technically That's like their big thing, you know. Yeah. And so like they couldn't have a universal belief system i feel like because they if they're owned by a whole one. bunch of people
2: i guess so. no, all companies are owned by a bunch of, most companies are owned by a bunch of people
0: yeah not not all of them are the employees though <laughs> that's true <laughs> i don't so think walmart's owned by the employees that work there
2: so as we were planning this uh podcast we talked about recognizing the point when we're still talking but not saying anything <laughs> Yep, And I think I may have reached that point. We've hit that time. (laughs) So it's time for us to wrap this up. How are we going to do that?
0: This has been the Fully Grown Podcast, the ministry of Turner Christian Church. And signing off is Pastor Jack.
1: Pastor Rachel.
2: And Pastor Matt. Stay healthy.
0: Stay hopeful.
1: Go in peace to love and serve the Lord.
0: Amen.